go to where it's comfortable, don't forget your God. They got to where it was comfortable and they forgot their God. They did what was pleasing in their own sight and things became very difficult. They had judges, Samuel was the last one, and around that time they got fed up and they said, look, we want a king. And they had King Saul, that didn't work out very well. And then God chose a man after his own heart, David. There's him slaying Goliath. And David became the second king and perhaps their most famous king as well. And the nation prospered greatly under David. Then his son Solomon came and there was even more prosperity. But after that, things went south. Solomon's son Rehoboam struggled. The kingdom split in two. And with the kingdom splitting in two, the northern kingdom called Israel, the southern one called Judah, they had various kings. And one of the things that was common to almost all the kings was they strayed from God's commandments. God sent them prophets. You'd have heard of Elijah, Elisha, Jeremiah, Isaiah. But they refused to listen to the prophets sent by God. Israel was conquered by the Assyrians and Judah was later conquered by Nebuchadnezzar and people were taken into exile in Babylon. And of these people who were taken, there were some who were very young, very talented, and they were taken into the court of the king. And Martin told us about them, four of them you can remember, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And they get into the king's court and we heard last week about how they didn't take the king's fare, they ate vegetables and water, and they prospered, and the king was really quite blown away by them and brought into his court. So here we are in Daniel chapter 2. And that's what the rest of this is going to be about. Um, it's, a long it's a long chapter. I'm going to try to go through it all, but break it into different segments to just let you know what it is that touched me as I was going through it. So... Nebuchadnezzar's dream. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he couldn't sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I've had a dream that troubles me and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king, may the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, this is what I've decided. If you don't tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. Now that seems to me extremely severe. You just call people in the next thing is, if you don't do it, that's it. I'm exterminating you. And you just get the impression he didn't trust them. It wasn't the first time they probably pulled a fast one on him. So this time he says to them, you know what? You tell me my dream and then I'll know that you're telling me the truth. Well, the astrologers struggled with this. They answered the king. There is no one on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among humans. I paused over there, and it just came to me that the Apostle John mentioned 
that when God did come to live among humans, we didn't recognize him. Back to Daniel. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. So Arioch, we heard of last um, week, he's the commander of the king's guard. When he had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. He asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went to the king and asked for some time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Second pause. When you get into a tight corner, who do you go to? Um, Jonathan Edwards, has, I think he's preached here once before. Um, he writes an article called Be Still and Know. You can listen to it on Premier Christian Radio. And there was one that I just thought was hilarious. He was talking about a man who, some of you might know it, he'd lost his keys and he was looking for them out in the road. So somebody goes to him and says, what are you looking for? He says, my keys. Oh, where did you lose them? In my house. Why are you looking for them here? The light's better out here. And, and, and you look at it and think sometimes when we get into trouble, where do we go to? Who do we go to? Daniel went to God. The mystery was revealed and Daniel gave God the thanks and praise, went back to the king and said, I can now help. And then the king asked Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel replied, no wise man, enchanter, magician or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and the visions that passed through your mind as you were lying in bed are these. As your majesty was lying there, your mind turned to things to come and the revealer of mysteries showed you what is going to happen. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me not because I have greater wisdom than anyone else alive, but so that your majesty may know the interpretation and that you may understand what went through your mind. Your majesty looked and there before you stood a large statue, an enormous dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was made of pure gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of baked clay. While you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver and the gold were all broken to pieces 
and became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace. But the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. King Nebuchadnezzar, you are that head of gold. After you, another kingdom will arise inferior to yours. Next, a third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule over the whole earth. Finally, there will be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron. It will crush and break all the others. As the toes were partly iron and partly clay, so this kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms, bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. So that's a synopsis of Daniel chapter 2. Um, interpreted Nebuchadnezzar's dream and was placed in honor at that stage. So some take-home points from them that I gathered when I was reading. One of the first one was, don't allow familiarity with the text get in the way of discovering or rediscovering hidden gems when you read the Bible. As a young child, I'd heard this story before. Usually you're thinking about Daniel and the lion's den. I'd read it again later. I've read it quite a few times, but it was interesting. This was the first time I'd read it and realized that when Daniel was faced with it, he actually went to his friends and said, can we pray about this? I'd never, I'd never picked up on that, gone through the whole thing. I just assumed he was so skilled at interpreting dreams. It came up and he said, I'll help. But no, he went back to his friends and said, we have a problem. Plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. And during the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. So I go back again to when you have a problem, who do you go to with it? Your best friend. And you, you will have heard everything of this before where people say, well, there's nothing else we can do now. We might as well pray. Um, rather than why don't you pray first before it gets to that. So you pick up the Bible and sometimes it's you skim it because you think I've read that before. I'd, I'd suggest you chew over it and chew over it again. And you just might find some hidden gems, maybe things you'd seen and forgotten or never seen before. The other bit I looked at was, why was the dream given to Nebuchadnezzar? If you cast your minds back a few hundred years, there was Joseph and Pharaoh 
Why was the dream given to Pharaoh? You could argue the dream could have been given to Daniel. He'd have dreamed it. He'd have got the interpretation. Why the king? So the king asked Daniel, are you able to tell me what I saw? And Daniel says, nobody can. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And after that, Nebuchadnezzar says, surely your God is the God of gods. Let's go back to what's been happening in the country in this last week or so. The prime minister gets given a dream. He looks for someone to help him understand what it is. Why the prime minister? Why him? Let's take it away from the prime minister. Let's look at you at work, your boss. We've got people in our lives who we're trying to reach, but we can't seem to reach. You can't find the words. You don't know how to break that. You've got a huge amount of respect for them, but God seems very peripheral to them. They're very successful. They don't need him. Then suddenly they call you and they go, John, have you got second? Something's been bothering me. They open the door and God gives you the words to go in. You've been racking your brains about how to get here. Turn it round and look at Daniel, sounding a bit like Martin Luther King going to Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, I have a dream. Well, why should that bother me? <laughs> what about your dream should bother me? But the king saying, I'm troubled by a dream, and then finding someone who says, I can't do it, but God can, is a way of making Nebuchadnezzar realize there is God. And at the end, Nebuchadnezzar gives glory to Daniel's God. Maybe that's why it came to him rather than, rather than to Daniel. This one's a quick one. Um, don't forget your friends when blessings come your way. So Daniel gets promoted and he says, oh, by the way, I've got three, three of my mates here. Please don't forget them. Um, there are times when things come good for you and somehow you've just forgotten others and gone on your own way. Um, my wife keeps reminding me about the bit where it says, be kind to the people on your way up. You might meet them on your way coming back down. Um, so, so don't forget your friends when blessings come your way. Another bit I looked at is this, your relationship with God needs to be nurtured and developed. I wrote something in the article for yours, but I, I know not everybody gets it. And also there's, there are people listening online who probably wouldn't have had a chance to see it. So I'll, I'll crave your indulgence and just tell the story a little. Um, just come back from holiday, went on a cruise and came back. Um, I like firm ground. I do not like going up in a plane. And I don't like something that does this on the sea. <laughs> so, so there we are, perfect holiday. Um, but as we were leaving, um, the house was left alone, and I just started worrying, what's going to happen to this when we get back? You go off. And as we're coming back, I'm just worried that there's going to be a fire leak. There's going to be a fire. Water's going to leak. You know, somebody will have broken into the house, etc. My wife was much more sane about this. She just thought the tomato plants might be parched if nobody waters them. And we managed to get to the airport and both suitcases came back, no problems. We'd had problems getting the cab to the airport. We got out and there was a cab just waiting there without an, you know, with an affordable price to get home. It was all just going too well. And I said, I know, we'll get there and the car would have been smashed. Um, and just on the way, just as about we're about to get there, 
words just came to me, which were um, Apostle Paul in, in, you know, when he said, you are like babies, you still want milk when you should be eating strong meat. I'd never seen it in that light before, but it was almost like God was saying, you're going to need to trust me on this. You can't just pick and choose times when you're going to have full faith in me and isn't. There are places we need to get to, and I need you to trust me. I can give you milk, but I think you're ready for solid food. I needed to get to a place where I trusted God. Now, faith to go into the lion's den, faith to go to the king, doesn't come because you know God, you know of God. It becomes comes because you know him. You've got this relationship you've developed with him. That's who you go to. I end with saying we got to the house. The car was on the drive. There was no leak. There was no fire. There's nothing. And the tomato plants are going to do well. Um, so so it, it's, it's, we will get into tight spots. There's no question. But let's trust God in the small things. When the big things come, we would have developed that relationship with him. It, it's worth nurturing and developing. The other thing I, I looked at and found was hope was restored for Daniel and his friends. And again, sometimes there's a chap called Chuck Swindoll, who is an American preacher. Listen to him on Premier Christian Radio. But he says sometimes when you read your Bible, try to not just read the words, but put yourself there. Okay? So Daniel has just been taken from Israel, or from Judah, to Babylon. He's growing up in a foreign country, a strange place. And although he seems to be doing well in the king's court, he would be yearning for home. You read into the book of Daniel, and he says something. He says, when he was reading the book of Jeremiah, he then realized, or the letter from Jeremiah, he realized they were going to be there for about 70 years. It strikes me he must have been yearning for home. And then this dream, God says, in the time of those kings, the God of heaven, Daniel's God, will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms, bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. Yes, it's Nebuchadnezzar's dream, but to Daniel, this would have been music to his ears. Lord, you won't abandon us. There is a kingdom coming and it will endure forever. Hope would have been restored for Daniel and for his friends. What about us? When we look at this, hope, I think, is also restored for us. This is a bit, um, the way I came to be preaching this sermon was Martin realizing he was going to be away, and then somebody who, had, who was supposed to be doing it today, not there, so Martin mentioned we would need somebody else to come in, and I kept quiet, and I kept quiet. <laughs> and then I said, okay, we'll have a look. Um, and and um, he sent me some of the information around it, and this was written before this last week in politics. But it said, current events don't get the final word. Our political engagement and political concerns must be motivated by our kingdom values and underpinned by the truth that God's power and activity is not limited by any one system, party, law, or nation. Daniel exemplified this as he worked out how to be faithful to God 
in a land that didn't acknowledge the supremacy of God. So people should notice that we, we the church, are undeterred in building and hoping in the kingdom of God, no matter what the political or economic landscape looks like. I remember, you know, you, sometimes they say, where were you when something happened? But I remember another landmark event, the Brexit vote. Um, woke up on a Friday morning, heard, you know, the uh, Brexit um, argument had been won and we were going to be leaving Europe. And, and it hit me quite hard. And I remember standing here on the Sunday after going, I don't believe that God saw the headlines and thought, goodness, I didn't see that coming. Um, and, and the political events don't get the final word. Here we are last week, who would have known? And now we're looking for a new prime minister. But no matter what those um, things do, we need to remember there's somebody in charge because if not, you're going to be blown in every direction. So hope is restored for us that there will be a kingdom that comes and will be unmovable. The title of this was Unbreakable. As a follower of Jesus, you're actually building your life on something unbreakable. Um, we all have a life before we knew Christ, a life after we decided we would walk with him. For some people who haven't made that decision, they're living in the first bit, but I can guarantee you moving to the second bit is, is the most, the best thing you could think of doing. Matthew in his gospel talks about two people and he stresses there that it's not just a question of knowing Christ, it's also obeying what he says. He talks about a man who, he said, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house and said, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Both individuals heard the words, one put them into practice, the other didn't. Both individuals had storms come against them, Everything one built broke for the other one. Its foundation was on the rock. On Saturdays, um, I don't know if I'd call it a house group, but Helen leads us in Connecting Faith. And a few Saturdays ago, um, Sylvia mentioned something about, um, and that stayed with me and I'll share it with you in a second. But it's at those points when everything's gone wrong and you know how they say you hit rock bottom? And this is Sylvia's quote, paraphrase from Sylvia's quote. When life's troubles overwhelm you and you hit rock bottom, wouldn't it be great to find that the rock you've landed on is Christ? So important to have him as that thing embedding us. So this rock that came and broke down the previous kingdoms and is going to stand forever, that rock is who we should build our lives upon. It is unbreakable. We become unbreakable because he says, I will be in you, I will be with you. If I'd known before, I'd have told Angie and the team about the next song, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all of the ground is sinking sand. But I think you're just gonna to have to put up with what they've chosen.
We've got a few questions there. relationship with God developing such that you trust him to answer your prayers when you take them to him? When, not if, but when you read your Bible, do you have the expectation that God will reveal something, perhaps something new to you as you read? Do you feel despair as you hear of and see the stress turmoil and hardship in our world, will you take that to Jesus? Cast your care upon him, for he cares for you.